Hello and welcome back to the Countering Climate Scepticism podcast. Each week we tackle a different climate sceptic argument from different levels of the climate denial ziggurat. If you want to know more about that, we have a specific episode explaining what the ziggurat is in detail. My name is John Rainier and I'm joined by my co-host Mark Prosser. How are you doing today, Mark? Not bad, John. Uh, Enjoying Corona here. You're drinking a beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been drinking a beer every week when we uh, when we have these chats. You know, I have my my uber sized Corona here. It's like (laughs) half eight in the morning, Mark. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But, you know, I just figured it would make me, I don't know, a bit more fluent and I don't know, personable, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A bit strange, I'll admit. But uh, but yeah, it seems to work. Um, Good old breakfast beer with John and Mark. Um, I assure you, I have no problem with alcoholism. Luckily, uh, <laughs> I, this is probably says every alcoholic everywhere. <laughs> no, but I really mean it. Like, uh, you know, I drink so little alcohol generally. So uh, I feel like I'm uh, pissing into the wind trying to convince you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure you have experience of doing that, uh, being an outdoorsy type. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So apart from my beer drinking habit at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah, like um, this week uh, there was a, a super big storm passed through the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it Storm Kieran? Was it? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it had like a, you know, so they 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 talk about storms in terms of their intensity a lot of the time by their the the pressure in the middle of them, and okay. the lower the more severe the storm is usually. And this one had. Uh, a pressure of 950 uh, millibars okay. and that's really really low and so it was a really really strong storm. Um, where, where in the country did it hit the, hit the hardest? So so it kind of as far as I was aware it sort of uh, you know sort of um, from Devon sort of going across the south of England I think it tracked across there uh, and it was and it's funny on, on like uh, was it Thursday I woke up and I was expecting there to be like loads of winds yeah. And uh, there wasn't. I was like, what is this storm then that they're predicting? But basically, we were in the middle of the storm. And in oh, the middle, okay, it's all calm. The, obviously. Eye, the eye of the storm, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So so uh, it's kind of a bit surreal in that respect. But like in north of France, you know, the winds were like swirling around this sort of centre point where we were, where there was no activity. Yeah, very, very strong winds. Uh, and probably... Like where you were was was the strong winds. Yeah, well, we we got away Earlier. in our van. I mean, what what days what days was it that it was it was the worst? Because we were we were away, so I was kind of out of touch with the news and stuff like that. Thursday, maybe. Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, we, yeah, we were we were up in Birmingham on Thursday. Um, yeah, like to be honest, just seemed like a blustery day. To be honest, okay. The weather's. The weather's rarely like super nice in Birmingham, anyway. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just a different different type of shit uh, <laughs> compared to the usual. <laughs> yeah, maybe the wind. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't hit us that bad. Okay, well that's that's good to hear. I think some places in the in the country have been affected, but uh, but yeah, all the all the weather geeks in my department at uh, Reading were very excited about this. Yeah super low so the, the atmosphere above us was a bit lighter than it usually is so usually yeah. it's it averages about a thousand and it dropped to 950 so like literally yeah. the column of air above you was less because you're in the wow. middle of a storm so That's yeah crazy. very exciting for the physics nerds yeah 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 <laughs> mm. and um you you were you said you were away um 
gallivanting around the country in a van uh, for the half term? Yeah, yeah, we'd gone away for for five days, just kind of exploring around in the countryside. Went through Wiltshire and uh, uh, Gloucestershire and and areas around Somerset and things like that. Okay. Yeah, so we headed down headed down your way. Uh, are you in Are you in Buckinghamshire at the moment? Are you? Or... No, no, Reading. Well, it's kind of similar, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we then kind of headed across through the Chilterns. Uh, through to the the North Wessex Downs, so it's a, some lovely wild rural countryside to be spending a few nights in, which is nice. Right. I mean, we did have some pretty terrible weather. We got uh, hailed on when we were walking into Glastonbury, um, so maybe we did catch a bit of this storm. But when you're when you're living in a van, like you kind of just uh, bad weather just is part of the course. It rained the whole week anyway. Yeah, yeah. Did did you sleep in the van as well, or do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We. We sleep in it every night, um, finding finding spots to wild camp. Uh, was it was it relaxing the whole thing? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is nice to get away because obviously we spent a whole year doing it last year, so it, it feels very very freeing to to get away for a few days and uh, spend your time in the van. Mm. I highly I highly recommend it. Go and go and live outdoors in your van as much as you can. Well, I say outdoors. We're not outdoors at all. We're in a vehicle. If I get the opportunity, I'll I'll snap it up. <laughs> okay so uh, in today's episode uh, this is going to be our third podcast episode looking at the second level of the denial ziggurat uh, which is the level which states that the climate is warming but that it's not us that's doing it so just to recap in part one we looked at what factors uh, mainstream climate scientists consider important in explaining the rising temperatures uh, that co2 is warming and that aerosols from, from fossil fuels burning are cooling. Then in part two, we looked at why certain alternative explanations don't work, looking in particular at the sun and volcanoes. In this episode, in part three, we're going to be looking at a couple of criticisms that skeptics level at the CO2 explanation for climate change. We hope you'll enjoy. Uh, so take us away then, Mark. So first of all, John, just as a sort of recap of last week, uh, do you remember any of the four bits of evidence that preclude the sun being the cause of climate change? Um, I reckon I remember a few of them. So um, that only the the lower atmosphere is getting hotter, mm -hmm. not the whole atmosphere, uh, that the poles are warming faster than the equator. Yeah. Um, winters are warming faster than summers. I mm -hmm. can't remember what the last one was. Oh, right. OK. Yeah. That was, I thought you were going to get them all there. Uh, day uh, nights are warming faster than days. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, and uh, there were also in last week's evidence, we talked a bit about uh, volcanoes and while volcanic CO2 uh, also wasn't a good explanation. Do you remember the three bits of evidence we mentioned for that at all? Um, the only one that springs to mind is that it was the, the wrong type of CO2 in the atmosphere. Um, was it that C13 comes from volcanoes and that's not what we're seeing in the atmosphere? Is that right? Yeah, so it's kind of along those lines. Uh, essentially, uh, plants uh, tend to preferentially take up carbon 13 so carbon 12 is the main one. Oh right okay yeah. and so if you burn lots of plant matter which is essentially what we're doing with fossil fuels you end up uh, getting a reduced amount of carbon 13 in the atmosphere 
so so essentially yeah you were you were right that uh the the co2 uh, ratio of these different isotopes carbon 12 carbon 13 is changing and that can only be as a result of of fossil fuels so essentially when i say three bits there were two isotopes uh, carbon 13 is getting more okay. dilute and carbon 14 is getting more dilute and carbon 14 is uh, interesting because um it's radioactive and it decays Okay. And yeah. so in fossil fuels, which have been buried for millions of years, it's all gone, basically. And so we're seeing a drop off in carbon-14 in the atmosphere. Uh, and that's consistent with burning something that's very, or, or that the carbon dioxide is coming from something that's very old. Okay. And the third piece was that uh, oxygen in the atmosphere is ever so slightly declining. Okay. And that is because we're burning carbon it's combining with oxygen to become CO2. Yeah, so that yeah. oxygen is being taken out of the atmosphere. Today, a bit later on, we'll be adding another two bits of evidence to that point uh, towards it being fossil fuel CO2 uh, and not some alternative explanation like outgassing from the ocean. OK, so to kick us off, uh, we're going to start with the more boneheaded side of the climate denial playbook. So an argument that they give sometimes is that CO2 is not increasing. So CO2 is not increasing. Well, OK, as usual, when we hit something like that, we, we have to look at the data. So uh, do you have, uh, so we've got a link which we'll put in the show notes, uh, co2level.org. Have you got that up, John? Yeah, I've got that here. So is this global CO2 levels and it shows a graph um, measuring the carbon dioxide parts per million um, compared to the year, I presume that is. Uh, yes, it is the year. Yeah, that's that's correct. And so what what level was what, what has happened to the carbon dioxide concentration over time? Um, it's going up massively. Um, so it's been climbing pretty much since the start of the 1800s, um, but really starts to pick up probably from around about 1860 onwards. Um, but then from the 1960s onwards, then it seems it shows a very, very steep incline very rapidly. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, this is a good site, uh, actually. If you sort of scroll down slightly from here, you can see so underneath the graph, there's uh, methane levels, nitrous oxide levels, oxygen levels, temperature record sea levels. So it's, okay. it's a good one-stop shop for if you just want to see, for example, what what these other uh, indicators of the climate are doing. So methane and nitrous oxide are the other two big greenhouse gases. So it's like the the trio of carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide. Yeah. Just out of interest. So this tracks all the way back to the year 1000. Where are they getting the data from for that? Uh, so you can get uh, sort of you can drill down, for example, in uh, regions of the world like Antarctica and Greenland okay. and you can pull out like an enormous two kilometer long uh, sort of ice core and in this ice core it sort of traps uh, little pockets of air uh, from different times in history and the deeper you drill down uh, the, uh, the further back in time you can go and I think there's other methods as well um, but, but that's that's one of the key ones okay so yeah it's good old geology or glaciology rather. So this global average level, which John has just described for us, which takes data takes data from 
all around the globe and gives us a global average of what carbon dioxide is doing on Earth uh, in the lower atmosphere. If you'd like to see more regional CO2 levels and to see all the locations around the world where CO2 data is recorded, uh, you can follow the below link, which I'll put in the show notes. I guess we, we're not going to look at it for now because it's a bit, yeah, it's not. So, so it's for viewers who are interested to have a look. But it just it's just it basically shows that uh, we're collecting carbon dioxide measurements at more than 100 places around the world. Uh, and and we don't even really need that many places because carbon dioxide is well mixed, meaning that it's it's more or less the same everywhere on Earth. You know, it's not like water vapor where there would be uh, much more of it in some places rather than others. It's 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 about 420 parts per million uh, on Earth at the moment, and it varies a little bit depending where you are. But um, it's it's kind of within between 400 and 430, say. Uh, so so yeah, but but we we do record it in many many different places. Okay, so once you acknowledge that the CO2 rise is incontrovertible, there are various other arguments that the skeptics like to level against CO2 being the driver of the temperature change we've seen. We will look at two this week, which boil down to man-made CO2 is pitiful in the grand scheme of things, and the rise in atmospheric CO2 is natural and can't be causing the warming that we've seen. OK, so to put more explicitly the first of these arguments, uh, the amount of CO2, the amount of CO2 humanity emits each year is dwarfed by the amount released by natural sources. OK, so in order to debunk this particular sceptic claim, I have to tell you a little bit about something called the carbon cycle. In the carbon cycle, uh, carbon gets cycled around different reservoirs, such as the, the atmosphere and the ocean. Uh, but first, I'll need to introduce you to a unit that we use to measure the amount of carbon. It's called uh, the gigaton, so a gigaton of carbon. Uh, do you happen to know how many tons in a gigaton? Uh, would it be a thousand tons? So it's actually a billion tons. A billion? Blimey yeah. Heck. Yeah, yeah. And so a billion is a thousand million. It's a heck of a lot, you know. OK, so if I tell you that, that's you just think, oh, that's a big number, like... <laughs> It doesn't really mean anything to me, like a, a thousand million tons of carbon. It's like, you know, so to give you a bit of a perspective on that, uh, a good number to remember is that each year humanity emits about nine gigatons of carbon into the atmosphere each year. So when you say humanity, are you talking about through fossil fuel burning and things like that? Or is that also including us breathing? So not including us breathing, it's uh, I'll, I'll get onto that in a minute, but it's it's yeah, you're right. It's fossil fuel burning, uh, cement making and uh, land use change. So if we if we sort of chop down a forest. Oh, right. Oh, OK, so it includes the deforestation as well. OK, yeah. Yeah. So human activities aside from us merely existing and respiring. Um, but yeah, it's a good, good point. So now that I've given you a sense, so 10 gigatons or nine gigatons is the amount humanity emits with its you know industrialized society so i'm going to give you some i'm going to give i'm going to list off five reservoirs in the carbon cycle and give you an idea how much carbon is stored in them at the moment and so i'm going to do this in descending order so the, at number one we have the ocean 
and in the ocean, a whopping 38,000 gigatons of carbon is wow. stored. Uh, next down, we have uh, the fossil pool, which is where we, you know, where we dig up our coal, oil and gas from. So all of that, so all of that underground, there's about 10,000 gigatons of carbon in that reservoir. Uh, in the soil, uh, another 2,300 gigatons is stored. And then in the atmosphere, you know, we have that uh, 400 parts per million. If you work that out, if you take the whole atmosphere and you work the mass of that carbon dioxide, it comes to 800 gigatons. Right. Uh, and then in, in all the, the plant biomass, so all the forests, that sort of thing, uh, there's about 550 gigatons of carbon. So that's that's the carbon reservoirs in a nutshell. So like I said before, humans emit about nine gigatons a year from fossil fuels. But hang on, each year uh, animal respiration and decomposition emits 60 gigatons to the atmosphere from the land and a further 90 gigatons of carbon per year from the ocean to the atmosphere. And on top of that, land plants themselves respire another 60 gigatons per year. Oh, so significant all, amount, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And um, so together, that's 210 gigatons per year is going into the atmosphere uh, from the land, from the ocean, etc. Which means that our nine gigatons what does that correspond to? Like 4% of all emissions are us. Uh, so any thoughts here, John? Surely this means that human emissions are insignificant relative to these much larger natural fluxes each year. What do you think? Uh, to be honest, when it's when it's spelled out like that, it sounds like quite a reasonable argument. It does, doesn't it? And, uh, and it's all true. But you've got to be careful here because... It's true, but it's incomplete. So the denier, when they present this to you, uh, is cherry picking. So they're just telling you the things that support their argument and they're missing out crucial things that might conflict with their arguments. So th what they're not mentioning is that every year, sort of the, the plant matter on Earth uh, photosynthesizes and is giving out 120, sorry, is taking in from the atmosphere 123 gigatons of carbon. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, so 123 gigatons from the land biosphere, so things like forests, 123 gigatons is going in. Uh, and then in the ocean, there's also sort of plant life in the ocean is, is photosynthesizing, and that's pulling another 92 gigatons back into the ocean from the atmosphere. So the fluxes operate in both directions. And how big, a, how big an impact on that amount of photosynthesis occurring does deforestation have? Like, um, is, that, like is deforestation in the Amazon, is it having a significant impact on the amount of photosynthesis that, that is occurring worldwide then? That's an interesting question. I, so I think so actually, as a res one of one of the effects of climate change is that the if you sum up all the plant matter on Earth, the the amount of plant matter is actually increasing because okay. the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere is increasing because CO2 is kind of like plant food 
Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's 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 you're getting, if anything, an increase in the amount of photosynthesis. Okay. Despite uh, the amount of um, forest being cut down, however, the the forest the forest getting cut down is is resulting in a in a sort of an increase in sort of man-made fluxes of CO2. This this okay. might all become yeah. a bit clearer. Yeah. yeah. When I when I go a bit further with the explanation. So yeah, so essentially the, the skeptic has mentioned all the fluxes going out into the atmosphere, but they don't mention the fluxes going back in the other direction. And so when you do that, you see that like they kind of cancel out all the yeah. natural ones. So all the animals respiring and then all the, the plants photosynthesizing kind of cancel each other out. And then what you're left with is the human emissions which aren't which don't have that opposite flux back yeah so 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 if you get like a sometimes you get like a really stupid climate denial argument which is well you know like we all in all the all humanity inhale exhales carbon dioxide and you know maybe we should stop breathing if we care about climate change you know do you, does this <laughs> no, just, do you sort just, of, just the climate deniers yeah yeah <laughs> They'd be doing the world a favour if they stopped, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's very funny, but a, but a bit mean, John. A bit. Mean. I mean, like they deserve to get a clap round the head, or not, <laughs> uh, or maybe two clap round the head. But uh, but yeah. So but but do you see do you see the why is it okay that we can breathe out carbon dioxide? Given that argument. Uh, because we're we're included within the natural biosphere, I presume. So it means that we our carbon dioxide is being reabsorbed by uh, by photosynthesis. Yes, exactly. You've got it. So it's it's kind of beautiful when you think about it. Animals on the land and the ocean uh, breathe in O2 and breathe out CO2. Plants uh, breathe in CO2, for want of a better word, and exhale oxygen. Uh, although plants don't really do that, but you know, in the photosynthesis context, um, and although these annual fluxes are vast and bigger than the human ones, they almost exactly cancel each other out. Burning fossil fuels is different, though. We're pulling these from deep reservoirs within the Earth and burning them into the atmosphere. Ain't nothing cancelling out those extra nine gigatons that we throw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's all it just shows how how finely balanced everything is and that the human impacts do sway things quite significantly. Exactly. Yeah, there's this nice equilibrium in nature and we've perturbed that. Exactly. Uh, if anything, if anyone was paying particular attention, they might have noticed with all the numbers in terms of the fluxes uh, I gave out there that the CO2 fluxes into the atmosphere was slightly less in total than those out of the atmosphere. So the, the natural fluxes are 210 combined going into the atmosphere, but 215 are coming back out. So, so more is being taken out than is being put in by the natural fluxes. Mm. Uh, this is because the land and the ocean are doing us a huge favor and mopping up about half of the CO2, which we dump into the atmosphere by burning fossil fuels. If they didn't, levels would rise even faster. Yeah. So 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 currently, like I, every year on average, I think it's something like the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere increases by two parts per million. Um, if the atmosphere and the ocean weren't doing this for us, they might increase by four parts per million. Right. So yeah. So thank you, nature. 
yeah, but even though they do this for us, about half of the uh, nine gigatons that we emit uh, doesn't get mopped up. Uh, and that raises the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere. So that's the trick that that's being played on us when when the denier talks about these insignificant in the context of these vast fluxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just have to know that they're missing stuff out, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it's also nice when you know you uh, you know this extra bit, and it just completely confounds them, and they're just you know uh, sort of drowning in their own terrible argument you know, after that, uh, which is quite satisfying when you. <laughs> <laughs> when you encounter this one. Um, so uh, moving on to the second anti-CO2 argument we're okay. going to look at today. It's the argument that the CO2 rise we see today is an entirely natural phenomenon. Right. So uh, there's, there's, a, there's a link here which I'll put in the show notes. CO2 lags temperature intermediate. Yeah. So do, do you see like a, a graph with blue and red lines yes. time series? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So can you describe a little what you think? So see? we've got uh, temperature um, in degrees centigrade um, yep. going from minus 10 all the way up to plus 25. And along the bottom, we've got age in thousands of years before the present. Yeah. And what we're seeing is so what's the red line oh, okay so the red line is temperature and yeah. we've also got the blue line which is measuring co2 levels in parts per million yeah. and we we basically see it's kind of oscillating up and down um, and they seem to almost be mirroring each other so as temperatures yeah. rise we also see co2 go up and then as temperatures fall we also see co2 going down and that seems to be fairly consistent. The larger the temperature increase, the larger the, the CO2 levels increasing. But we also are seeing that although there's been a, a kind of similar increase in temperature recently, the CO2 levels have, have shot through the roof. Yes. So they're, they're what? I think it's sort of they at their maximum, they were the 280 parts per million in the past. So the, the previous 10 times. So, yeah, so there's this, this cycle has, has happened in the last million years. It's the, the temperature has gone up and down about 10 times, uh, yeah. which I think you you, you mentioned. Um, but yeah, so the, the CO2 never has gone above 300 parts per million. Um, yeah. and, and now we're, you know, north of 400 parts per million. And it's yeah, it's a it's a stark contrast. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's that's uh, that's 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 the graph we see before us. So one, it's a bit hard to see in this graph, but uh, because you know the the the, the axis, the time axis is just so Massive. squashed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a million years of time you're looking at. But temperature seems to rise if you if you sort of stretch it out. Temperature seems to rise first. And then carbon dioxide rises. Yeah. So what the skeptics argue is based on this true time series. So it is true that the first thing that happens is that the temperatures rise, then the CO2 rises rather yeah. than CO2 first, then temperature. Is that they would say roughly 10 times over the last million years. So the intermediate past, as far as the climate is concerned, 
uh, CO2 rises have been the result, not the cause of temperature rises. And therefore, CO2 can't be causing the current rise in temperatures. Do you notice any problems with this skeptic argument on the face of it? Or does it sound like it could be true? Or um, The only thing I can really think of, yeah. um, is it that because we're looking at such a, a heavily compressed period of time, mm -hmm. that actually the, the effects are a lot more delayed than we're seeing? Is that potentially it? That actually what we're seeing is the CO2 increases are causing the next cycle is that potentially it it's a good good, good guess uh but it's it's not the the main issue with okay. with this skeptic argument so i guess there's two issues with uh that particular phrasing so i'll, I'll, so I'll first i'll read the first bit again so roughly 10 times over the last million years co2 rises have been the result not the cause of temperature rises. Uh, is it like a false equivalence thing? Yes. So we we, we call this a, a false dichotomy. So it, it either has to be this or it's that. You can't have both. And and actually both things are true. So 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 basically, so rough so roughly ten times over the last million years, not uh, CO2 rises have been the result, not the cause of temperature rises. That's true. And therefore, CO2 can't be causing the current rise in temperature. No, hang on. It's not either or. Both are true. Yeah, so basically, okay. CO2 can cause temperature rises. And it can also be the result of a rise in temperatures. Okay. So both can be true. So I'll explain. It might not be 100% clear now, but as we go on, hopefully it will become clear what I'm talking about. Um, I th think at this point, just a quick refresher. Uh, do you remember? I think we spoke about this a little bit on uh, episode two. But do you happen to remember, John? Why, in the inter intermediate past of the last a million years, wh why did the climate go warm, cold, warm, cold ten times? Do you remember the cause of that? Was it natural fluctuations in global temperatures? So was it like mini ice ages occurring? Yeah, sure. So, so there, there were, yeah. So, so that that's true. But do you remember, like, why? So, if if currently, it's because we're pumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that's causing the warming. What was causing the warming and the cooling about every hundred thousand years? Do you happen to remember? No worries if not. Um, the only thing I was it possibly related to the sun? Kind of indirectly, yes. Um, basically, the Earth's orbit itself. Oh yes, yeah. Changes. Um, so it becomes sometimes a bit less circular. Uh, there are three main types of ways it changes. We're currently inclined at 23 degrees. Uh, so we have our seasons because of that. Uh, but this uh, axis uh, wobbles a little bit. So it goes from between uh, 22 and a half to 24 and a half. So sometimes it becomes more pronounced and less pronounced. Uh, and also the uh, at the moment, uh, the North Star is is the direction of north. But every so often, the over a long period of time, the the this axis itself still remains at like about 23 degrees, but it flips um, oh, okay. not suddenly. But uh, so so there's all sorts of changes in the Earth's orbit. So it doesn't always remain the same. And um, these changes in the orbital dynamics uh, mean that 
slight at some in some phases um the northern hemisphere is getting slightly more sunlight in the summer um and that can set off uh, a, a slight warming of the ocean and the ocean itself over a long time period will warm up slightly and because it is slightly warmer a warmer liquid like we were saying with the beer uh, experiment i think we mentioned a while ago a warm liquid yeah. can't hold as much carbon dioxide right yeah so it releases a bit of its carbon dioxide to the atmosphere carbon dioxide we know is a greenhouse gas and then causes further temperature rise so you you get the initial warming to, to yeah. trigger it off that then leads to the ocean emitting carbon dioxide that then feeds back and you get then this quite by geological standards a fast rise in temperature yeah so both are true so the co2 is helping the warming but it's also caused by the initial warming so if that makes sense yeah so if the skeptic insists that for the previous 10 times it's been warming first and co2 rise second how can we be confident that this time the increase in temperatures we're seeing oh sorry sorry the increase in co2 we're seeing isn't a result of the rise in temperatures so it's been like that for the past 10 cycles you know wh why are we so certain that it isn't the same now yeah uh, that it's not uh why are we so certain that it's carbon dioxide which is causing the temperature rise well first of all uh these orbital cycles are very predictable and if we look at where we're at uh now we should be heading into an ice age right so we're on a downward trajectory yet despite that we're getting warmer so just the the timing is out as far as the skeptics are concerned um but imagine if hypothetically we were in the same situation with our warming but just thousands of years later when the orbital dynamics sort of indicate that we should be warming so maybe the the skeptic would have been on firmer ground to argue this because you know that we would be in the right phase what evidence could we throw at the skeptic even then to refute this co2 from the oceans theory any ideas john just a hint would be to think back to when we were talking about uh, volcanic CO2 and why it wasn't likely to be volcanic CO2. Um, so would it be the by measuring the type of CO2 going into the atmosphere? That's correct. Yeah. Or you don't even have to necessarily measure the type that's going into the atmosphere. You just have to have like a, a time series of measuring the atmospheric concentration of these other isotopes. Uh, for example, carbon-14, which tells us that it should be very ancient carbon. But, that, but that's, that's, that's exactly it. Also, uh, like we said before, uh, you wouldn't be getting, if, if carbon dioxide was being released from the ocean, uh, you wouldn't be getting uh, atmospheric oxygen depleting as well. But in addition to these, these arguments, which are fine on their own, and you'd be perfectly able to rebut the, the, the skeptic if they were on that basis alone, there, there's a couple of um, points you could raise. Have you heard about a phenomenon called uh, ocean acidification, John? No, I don't think so. Okay, uh, so so I've got another link here. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Um, have you got it open? 
So ocean acidification, global warming's evil twin. Is this the one? <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Am let me let me just the graph again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Let me let me just explain uh, what ocean acidification is first. Maybe when CO two, so so CO two uh, dissolves in the ocean and the surface of the ocean, um, and it forms like a really weak acid uh, when it does that through it's called carbonic acid, um, and this then lowers the pH of the atmosphere of the of the ocean. Um, so, so basically, it's becoming more acidic. Uh, and so, this is a huge problem for like life in the ocean. It's not. It's not the the the. Um, it's not becoming like a strong acid or anything. But it's you know like life in the ocean is sort of. It's used to uh, us, the ocean having a certain pH, and so a change in that is is problematic, especially if you're, you know, if you've got some shell on your back. Uh, and then the, the extra acidity sort of hinders your ability to make shells, so sea creatures right. and, and corals as well. Corals don't yeah. like uh, acidity. Um, but yeah, so if we, if we go back to the graph now, this what do, what do you see? Uh, OK, so this is measuring uh, acidity by pH. Uh, so we're seeing uh, the ocean at uh, a pH of uh, around 8.10. Uh, so ever so slightly alkaline going down to 8.06 so we're seeing yeah just a, a line of best fit showing a steady decline in the ph moving towards a more acidic ph level yeah that's correct and that's over the time period uh, 1985 to 2020 oh wow so actually over a very short period of time yes so maybe i, I think maybe they haven't been measuring uh, ocean pH for as long as they have uh, been measuring atmospheric carbon. So the time series isn't that long, but it's clearly getting more acidic. Mm. Uh, and that's because you have more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, more of it gets uh, dissolved in the ocean and you get acidification. Yeah. So so the sceptic argument that like, um, you know, the ocean might be releasing uh, carbon into the atmosphere because there's a lot of carbon there it's like 38,000 gigatons it's the biggest res reservoir of carbon it's even bigger than the the fossil fuel reservoir you know the idea that so if it if it just released like one percent of its carbon we'd be screwed like there it would just be so much carbon yeah. uh, in the atmosphere but we there's a clever ocean acidification sort of teaches us that more carbon is going into the ocean than is going out of the ocean because if the the oceans were losing carbon the trend would be the opposite yeah there would be less uh carbonic acid in the ocean and as a result uh the ph would be increasing so becoming it would be becoming more alkaline we don't see this so we know from that alone that there's a net flux into the ocean from the atmosphere okay. so it's it like it's like what i was saying earlier it's mopping up some of the extra co2 uh that we're emitting but by by do, in so doing that I guess it's good for temperatures, but it's also causing a lot of problems for you know life in the oceans. Yeah. So that's why they, why they call it global warming's evil twin. Um, another environmental problem. Yeah. So unfortunately for the skeptics, uh, with the recent warming, CO two really is the cause. There are like I've now given you like four reasons why it has to be old 
fossil fuel carbon that's that's doing it. Now, as I said before, the land and the ocean mop up about half of the CO2 we emit each year. However, there isn't a guarantee that they will keep on doing this with the same efficiency for us. The oceans are warming and warming waters, as we've been saying, can't hold as much carbon dioxide. So the ocean may, unfortunately, as time goes on, get crapper at doing right. this favour yeah. for us. Yeah, it's giving us like a, a temporary buffer, yeah. like, but but that's going to have declining returns. Exactly. So yeah. So and and if and and as they decline, as this buffer declines, uh, atmospheric concentrations will rise faster. So I don't I don't know if they've seen evidence for that yet. You'd have to look into the the most recent research, um, but. It's worrying if that starts to happen, certainly. Yeah. And, and, and so one further comment. Uh, the sceptics are just so dead set about it not being fossil fuel CO2. But, but yet we kind of know how much carbon dioxide gets emitted from all that humanity burns. We know by how much carbon in the ocean is increasing, you know, in gigatons. We know by how much CO2 in the atmosphere is rising. And all these numbers all add up. So we know carbon is getting put here and we know how much it's increasing in the various reservoirs. This would be one mighty coincidence that these numbers all add up otherwise. And, and where the hell is this fuckton of carbon that we are emitting supposed to go, according to the sceptics, who like to argue that carbon in the atmosphere isn't from fossil fuels? But still, they seem to cling to their pet theories. I guess when you don't want to believe something, you ask yourself, must I believe this? Uh, to which the answer is nearly always no, because no one is ever compelled to believe anything they fundamentally don't want to believe. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's good just the way philosophical, it is. Good philosophical point to end on there. <laughs> I try, John, I try. <laughs> All right, then. So to, to sum up what we've covered today, then. So to sum up, the sceptics' uh, arguments are to do with level two of the ziggurat. Uh, we've been disproving those arguments. And this is what we've been looking at over the last three episodes. So that CO2 levels are rising, that humanity's CO2 emissions are not trivial, that volcanic CO2 cannot be the cause of elevated atmospheric CO2, neither can ocean outgassing of CO2, nor the land biosphere, We've looked at the argument that past warming cycles have been caused by very slow changes in Earth's orbit and that the sun can't really explain the patterns of global warming we have seen. Uh, we've seen that numerous lines of evidence point to the cause being, in actual fact, ancient fossil fuel burning. So it is man-made. Apart from CO2, aerosols produced from the burning of fossil fuels uh, also affect the climate by cooling it but this cooling doesn't offset the warming completely. Therefore, we get global warming. OK, so just to let you know, we're going to be releasing episodes at a slightly slower rate uh, from now on. So uh, once every three weeks uh, will probably be the case um, once we uh, get to this episode being released. And uh, we've been releasing episodes weekly up until now because we've had a bit of a recording backlog. Um, but we'll be uh, kind of, it, it, these episodes take a fair bit of prep, uh, largely from Mark, not from me. Uh, but, That's uh, not true, John. That's not true. <laughs> But uh, just so that we don't burn out, we're going to be slowing the release slightly over the next few weeks. So we hope that's OK with you all. Uh, so I guess on to our climate good news story next. 
So uh, as recent study by the UNBATS Scientific Assessment Panel for the Montreal Protocol on Ozone Depletion uh, Substances, quite a mouthful that one, mm. uh, confirms the phase out of nearly 99% of banned ozone depleting substances. So like, you know, I'm sure when, when we were both kids, Mark, uh, the, the ozone hole was the, the big news around climate change. And mm. it's kind of like faded out of the, the public discourse quite a bit. And I think that's largely because we've actually been having quite a big impact on it. So uh, it's expected that if current policies remain in place, the ozone layer is expected to recover to 1980 values. Um, so basically the, the point before the appearance of the ozone hole uh, by around 2066 over the Antarctic, by 2045 over the Arctic and by 2040 over the rest of the world. Uh, so this has required the phasing down of production and consumption of many hydrofluorocarbons or hfcs yeah. and while hfcs do not directly deplete ozone levels they're a powerful climate change gas yeah. so the work that has gone into over the last 30 years or so in in fixing the ozone hole and banning uh, those uh, those um, hfcs has actually then had a positive impact on climate change as well. And so their, uh, their findings have estimated that this is going to avoid somewhere between a 0.3 and 0.5 degree warming by 2100. Um, so it, it, I mean, to me, this, this demonstrates that when as 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 a as a world, as mm. countries across the world, when we work together on solving something, we do have a very dramatic impact very quickly in in relative terms, and that we can make positive changes towards reducing uh, climate change. Yes, certainly. Uh, I think you know for for anyone who's feeling a bit down about climate change and the progress being made, I think you you know think back to the the ozone hole and you know that that is that is certainly one big uh good news story re regarding the environment um and yeah so we 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 sort of recognized the problem and we turned it around and we can do the same with climate change um if we keep up the pressure on the governments and and everyone basically you know yeah absolutely i mean it it's showing here that like there's an example of people listening to the science responding to the science sustaining those policies and then it having an impact you know it's mm -hmm. it's 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 not rocket science that if we do these things and stick at them they will have the impact uh we we want to see yeah and, and and good news to hear also that like we've also avoided you know potential other warming impacts from these hydrofluorocarbons um because we don't need more warming <laughs> we really don't no, no no okay so that's it for this episode thank you for listening you can find a link to all of the materials we've referenced in this episode in our show notes next episode we will be looking at level three of the ziggurat that the warming uh, will be insignificant uh, we're also possibly putting together an episode unpicking some of the climate denial arguments offered by influential figures such as jordan peterson uh, if you want to know more about the countering climate skepticism podcast check out our website at ccspod.podbean.com 
Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show further, we'd really, really benefit from any reviews uh, you've been uh, being put up, either on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's known now. Uh, so, yeah, any any reviews, get throwing them up there. Really, really helps us out. Um, so, so that's goodbye from me, John Rainier. And goodbye from me, Mark Prosser. And I leave you with a, a quote from Albert Einstein. Those who have the privilege to know have the duty to act. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time.